Well, thank you so much uh, to Sean it, uh, and for the folks here who are helping run tech. I wish that I could turn the camera around so you all could see what it takes to uh, do this live stream thing that we are doing. Uh, Sean does an amazing job, and uh, I want to just say thank you to him for the set that's helping us be a little bit closer together than we have been the last couple of weeks, uh, and for all the work that goes into uh, producing this well. So thank you to Sean and all of our tech people. Um, if you have uh, been with us at all for the past four weeks, we have been in a sermon series called Anchored. Uh, Anchored. We managed to get the first two weeks of this series in, uh, in church, and then unfortunately we got kicked out of church. So here we are though, we're in church together now, even if you're just joining us from your living room. Uh, the church is not about the building, the church is about the people. So we're continuing this series called Anchored here uh, together. And this week, we are talking about uh, the end of the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer number one. Now, if this is your first week with us, everything I just said doesn't make any sense. That doesn't sound like anything, right? The Heidelberg Catechism question and answer number one. You just got to stay with us, okay? So the Heidelberg Catechism uh, was a document written a long time ago so that the uh, new Protestant churches would be able to teach Reformed theology and Reformed doctrine to uh, people, basically. And so our church, the Reformed Church in America, has been using the Heidelberg Catechism as a guide for centuries. And we are looking at the very first part of that, uh, what's called question and answer number one. So we've come to the end of the answer to the question that we have been asking throughout the series, what is our only comfort in life and in death? What is our only comfort in life and in death? And uh, honestly, that felt like a pretty important question five weeks ago, but in a lot of ways, I think it feels like an even more important question today. The very first week, we talked about how we often confuse the word comfort with coziness, that we think about comfort as being a warm blanket or cozy socks, that we think about comfort as being a, a wonderful smelling candle and a cup of hot cocoa. That's how we kind of think about comfort a lot of times in our American context. But in reality, comfort is about having our most basic needs met. Comfort is about that, uh, that reality that when we are desperate and we are crying out to God, we are having our needs met by God. And so, uh, truthfully, even as we talked about that, and these, even as we looked at the difference between comfort and coziness, we as a people are accustomed to having our needs met. We are accustomed to having the most base needs in our lives met all of the time. We are used to being comfortable. We are uh, not used to having to cry out to God for comfort on a daily basis. Yes, all of us experience valleys in our life. All of us experience moments of deep discomfort where we know that we need to cry out to God. But on the whole, as a people, we tend to have our needs met. Except all of a sudden, the whole world feels kind of desperate. The whole world feels kind of desperate. Those moments of uncertainty uh, have been thrust upon all of us. Those moments of the valleys in life, we're all finding ourselves struggling with that in some way. The whole world feels uncomfortable. Everyone is feeling a little bit desperate right now. Millions of people are losing their jobs. Millions more are losing large portions of their life savings. Those who are medically high risk are being forced, forced to think about their vulnerabilities all the time. 
Our lives are being upended, and as much as we'd like to believe that this will all be over by Easter, deep down, we know that we are a long, long way from normal. We are looking for comfort. And so suddenly this question, what is my only comfort in life and in death, has become a lot more pressing for all of us. So this morning we are going to look in the book of Romans chapter 8 for our final message in this anchored series, and hopefully we will find some comfort for the desperation that so many of us are feeling right now. So uh, I feel like I always do this, and I especially do it when we preach out of Romans. I I tend to say something like, uh, you can't read the five verses out of Romans chapter 8 that we're going to read today without reading the rest of the chapter. And you might say, well, Johnny, why didn't you read the whole chapter? That's a great question. Uh, Maybe I should have. Uh, but we're not going to read the whole chapter. We're just going to read the end. I want to give you the Cliff's Notes now uh, from Romans chapter 8 leading up to the part that we're going to dig into. So in Romans 8, we find Paul, the author of the letter, writing about the battle between our flesh and the Spirit of God. Left to our own devices, Paul says that we will always and only seek to gratify ourselves. Our desires will be turned toward ourselves, and our actions will be directed towards serving ourselves. This type of selfish, myopic, self-centered reality is what Paul calls sin. When we are only looking to our own interests, when we are only looking for those things that uh, we want or that we need, when we are never considering anything but our own desires and we're turning inward, this is what Paul calls sin. And this attitude separates us from God. It's what has created a separation between God and God's good creation. This is what Paul has been talking about in Romans chapter 8, but is also talking about throughout the book of Romans. But the good news is that God has transcended the space between us and God through Jesus Christ. That is to say that we created space between us and God through our selfishness, through uh, what Paul refers to as sin in this passage. But God did not allow that space to stand. God transcends the space that is between us and God through the person of Jesus Christ. And because God has crossed the distance that we placed between ourselves and God, we now have access to what Paul calls life in the Spirit. That is a life that is no longer directed by our desires and a life that is now lived in service of God others. It's a life lived in service to God and others. It is a life that is filled with the Spirit of God. Paul says that a life lived in the flesh will always lead to death. Uh, Even if it feels good in the moment, Paul is saying that what you're doing when you're living life in the flesh is you are just living out your death over and over and over again. Life in the flesh will always inevitably lead to death. But life lived in the Spirit is life filled with hope and life and peace. This is the distinction now that Paul has made throughout Romans chapter 8 and really Romans as a whole about what life in the flesh and life in the Spirit looks like. So that sets the stage for the verses that we're going to read this morning where Paul kind of places an exclamation point on this argument about what the difference is between the flesh and the Spirit. So we're in Romans chapter 8 verses 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit you put to death, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. 
For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if you uh, know my son Abram, you know that he is a big talker for being a little man. Abram is going to turn four years old next week, but I think that Abram has been talking like he was four years old since he was about 18 months old. I don't know if this is because he has older siblings who talk to him all the time or if it's just a byproduct of living in a house with my wife and I who never stop talking. I don't know. I don't know which it is, but Abram uh, developed quite a vocabulary early on in life and is a big talker and says some shocking things sometimes. And uh, what happens when you develop words before you really develop an understanding of what those words mean is you can say some funny things. So um, Abram was starting to learn a little bit about how puppies grow up to be dogs and kittens grow up to be cats and boys grow up to be men and girls grow up to be women. This is the kind of thing that kids learn. Uh, and he was learning about all of this and it kind of got the wheels turning in his head one day. He was learning about who grows up to be a man and who grows up to be a woman. And my, mommy, my, <laughs> my, mommy, my wife was talking about, right, how she is a woman. She's a woman. And uh, he says to her, you could see the wheels turning in his head, and he says to her, you can't be a woman, you're a mommy. There was no category in his head for how she could be both things at the same time. He had all this language, but he didn't have enough categories yet to understand that she was actually both of those things. Yes, she was a woman and she was a mommy. For him, she was just 100 percent mommy. That's all the room there was. That's all the category that there was for her. We have a lot of categories for understanding God. We talk about God as the great physician. Uh, we talk about God as the king of kings. We talk about God as our redeemer, our provider, our rock, our anchor. The list goes on and on and on for these categories, these names for how we can understand God. And it is wonderful and good to have all of these ways to think about God and to try to understand God. We can never understand God. Our language will never be uh, good enough to actually describe God or, or who or what God is because uh, God is infinite and all we can ever be is finite. But we try, we try and we build these categories out to understand God and to think about God. And it's good to do that because it shows that we want to know God more. But a side effect of having all of these categories for understanding God is that our relationship with God can sometimes get a little bit muddled. When we need healing, God is the great physician. When we have physical needs, God is our provider. And in all of these things, our relationship with God can kind of become transactional. The category we have for God meets the need that we have for God to meet. It is a transactional type of thing between us and God. God plays the role that we need God to play when we need God to play it. This is not our intention, but if we're not careful, we can get such an expansive view of who God is 
that we miss out on the intimacy of the relationship that we have with God. We, we get such a big idea of God that it becomes almost too much for us to handle. We can't handle all of these categories, and so God can only play one certain role at one certain time when we need it. And in the midst of that, sometimes it's easy to miss out on the intimacy of our relationship with God. So Paul writes that those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. And when I think about those words, and when I read those words, and when I hear those words, I think about my son Abram and his mommy. For him, there were no other categories for who she was. For a young child, a parent is everything. When they have a need, their parent meets the need. When they are sick, their parent takes care of them. When they are afraid, their parent provides them with comfort. So Paul here is taking the vastness of God, all of these categories, all of this expansive view of who God is and how we can relate to God. God is taking all of this expansive view of God and he's in some way collapsing it all into the reality that we are children of God, that we are part of God's family and that God loves us with the love of a father. And the word that Paul uses to describe that love is Abba. The word Abba here in this passage would probably best uh, be understood as meaning daddy in the way that a young child would call out to their father. That, that might feel strange to some of us. To others, maybe uh, you feel very comfortable with that kind of language for God. But for some of us, that feels very strange. Again, we have this huge view of who God is, and that's beautiful and good. But in that process, can we really say Abba to God? Can we really use that kind of intimate language that a child would use for their father when we are talking to God. This is a deeply personal, tender, loving, and intimate way to refer to a parent. And that's the word that Paul uses to describe the relationship between us and God. God is not a stern and detached parent. Uh, I think of like Captain Von Trapp from the sound of music, right? God doesn't like blow the whistle and expect us all to line up or something like that. God is not stern and detached. God is tender and loving toward his children. So sometimes at night, um, I'll go into my kids' bedrooms and I'll, I'll just watch them sleep. I don't know if this is a thing that all parents do. I don't know if this is a thing that my parents did with me. This is a thing that I do. And uh, uh, it's my son's birthday today. Happy birthday. Asher, it's his birthday, and so uh, no doubt I'll be doing it tonight and thinking about all seven years of his life up to this point. But this is the thing I do. I go into their room at night, and I watch them sleep. And it feels like the only time they ever slow down enough for me to actually get a good look at them, to see them as they really are, right? So I go into the rooms, and I'll kiss their foreheads. I'll pull the covers back up over them. And there are times when I stand there in that space, and the love that I feel for my children is just absolutely overwhelming. Uh, it just feels like your heart could just burst with all the love. It's just an overwhelming space to be in. I had a professor in seminary who talked about thin places. These are moments in time and, and places that we find ourselves when it seems like the veil between heaven and earth is thin enough to just push through. I know that sounds kind of like woo-woo, I know. Uh, but he talked about these thin spaces. And not all of these thin spaces have to do with 
my kids. I feel like I'm in a thin space when I'm in my kid's bedroom like that and, and I just uh, am watching them sleep. I feel like that's a thin space, but not all thin spaces have to do with our kids. Uh, sometimes when we take communion together as a church family, I feel overwhelmed by the presence of God. It's a thin space. Sometimes when you're just sitting there in the quiet morning and the, and the light is filtering through the curtains just so, and the whole world stands still like it's waiting for the conductor of everything to start the orchestra, that can be a thin space. It's just these moments where you just feel overwhelmed by the love and the presence of God. You just feel this oneness now with God. Whenever we experience these feelings, they feel overwhelming to us. I, this morning, it might sound kind of crazy or weird, I want to suggest that those moments, those thin space feelings that we get, I believe those are experiences of how God feels about us all the time. That in those moments where we feel overwhelmed, those moments where we feel so close to God, those moments where it just feels like we could just push right through the veil right then and touch the hand of God, I think that's how God feels about us all the time. Paul says that there is no need or room for fear in our relationship with God because we know that God is our Abba Father. Paul writes that the Spirit of God testifies with our spirit. That is, the Spirit of God is moving within us. The Spirit of God is literally communicating with the Spirit inside of ourselves, the deepest places that we can't really explain but all of us experience. God and the Spirit of God is living and moving in us and whispering into our spirits, reminding our spirits, reassuring our spirits that we belong fully and completely to God. That God has made a way for us to have freedom from sin and death. That God watches over us and cares for us so deeply that not a hair can fall from our heads without his knowledge, that God is continually working out all things for our good, that God is not a taskmaster or a stern or unfeeling parent. God is not an absent father, but God is a loving, caring, and tender father to us. The Spirit of God is alive inside of us, whispering that God is overwhelmed by how much he loves us. I, I find myself thinking a lot these days, what is my only comfort in life and in death? In, in these moments of uncertainty, in these moments of desperation, in these moments where you wonder, is the world ever going to go back to normal? When will we ever get back to normal? I find myself asking these questions. And the truth is that I can't get an answer to that question from a press conference. I can't get an answer to that question from a stimulus check. I can't even get an answer to that question from the production of a vaccine. My only comfort, our only comfort, is that we are children of God, loved with the same love that created the universe and the same love that adopted us into the family of God by the power of the Spirit that is still alive in each of us today whispering to us to never forget who we are, to never forget who we belong to. So this week, when your desperation rises, when you're at the end of your wits with what to teach your kids, when you're scared to go out of your house to even get 
the groceries that you need, when you have consumed enough news to educate the entire world population three times over, but it still hasn't given you any comfort or any peace, when you find yourself in that moment and you don't know where to turn, quiet your soul just for a little bit and listen. Your Father is there and He's ready to comfort you. Let's pray. God, we, um, we don't always remember uh, what it means that you are our Father, God. And it's a beautiful thing to get caught up in the vastness of who you are. It's a beautiful thing to uh, have so many categories to understand who you are, God. Um, but ultimately, you love us with the tender, loving care of a Father. And that's the love that we so desperately need right now. God, I, I, I pray for those who don't know what the tender, loving care of a father is like. Maybe they didn't have a father around, or maybe the father that they had was harsh. God, you tell us in Scripture that you are also a tender, loving mother to us. You're a tender, loving parent. So God, I pray that you would heal our wounds so that we could embrace you as our Abba Father, that you would stitch up our hearts and our souls in those places where it's hard to believe that we could be loved like that, God. I pray that you would bandage those places so that we could cry out to you and we could find the comfort that we can only find in the arms of our loving parents. God, we don't know what the future holds and we don't ever know what the future holds, but we think that we do. And right now we become aware, God, that we don't know what the future holds, but you do. Not a hair can fall from our heads without your knowledge, God. And so we lift up uh, our lives to you. We lift up our families to you, God, and we lift up the whole world to you. Because in your expansiveness, you can take it, but in your intimacy, you still care about each and every one of us uniquely and individually. We thank you, God, for your love and your care and your compassion. Thank you for the comfort that you provide to us. We love you, God. And we know that you love us in an overwhelming kind of way that we can never fully understand. And we're grateful. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.